Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Hello and welcome to the Utah Puck Report. Jay Stevens here and Gary, you're back. I'm, I'm actually here for once. You're so busy, this is, man. This is crazy. Yeah. You know, I used it, to think I was busy, but now you're in the world of not only do you have a full-time job where you're, you know, you have demands for your time, but now you're fully involved in the world of travel team hockey. Yeah. I mean, two kids and uh, then you help coach. Oof. Oof. As Kevin. Just don't Oof. get your life back. Yeah. And I guess that brings us right to our, our guest. <laughs> And again, when Gary and I were talking about, hey, we need to do a hockey podcast, and KSL was like, well, what would you even do? And they had me write a list of people that I'd have on. Mm-hmm. And it was like Trevor Lewis. And then I think <laughs> like like three or four on the list was Kevin Guy. I'm like, he lives here, and he's a huge resource when it comes to hockey. Right. And it's taken us five seasons. And that's my fault. Shame on you. I know. So Kevin Guy, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm sure for most of our listeners are diehard fans of the Sully Golden Eagles and even the, and then the Utah Grizzlies and Utah hockey in general. Yeah. And so I don't re- I think I could just say, hey, Kevin Guy is in here and 90 percent of the people would know you and know your playing history. But I want to talk about it a little bit. I want you to talk about it. like you were. You're one of the guys, like, when I was first getting into hockey. So I don't want to sound like a fanboy here because I, I, <laughs> I consider you a friend, but you probably yeah. don't know how much, like, your team and you guys influenced me wanting to play hockey because you guys were the first I, I, I ever saw. And it was, like, amazing to watch you guys play hockey. So when you were the, the real Golden Eagles, like, when you guys were legitimately the best teams around. So uh, before we get to that, will you start us back, like, where you grew up, and how you discovered hockey. And... Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm from Edmonton, Alberta, up in Canada, and pretty much I think I was skating. I was skating before I went to school. Like I, I remember going to uh, outdoor. We had two outdoor rinks within walking distance of my home growing up, and I'd go to, I'd go to the hockey rink with my dad, and my brothers were in school, and they'd come out and see me at recess. So I know I was, I was younger than going to school. <laughs> so it was probably like three or four or five years old and I was out there skating and just did that loved it and did it every day every day you could and it didn't cost a whole lot of money in Canada because the outdoor rinks you just paid a monthly fee and you go to skate whenever you wanted wow. as long as the ice is available that would be a nice setup to have <laughs> yeah. now yeah for kids nowadays it's really you, you couldn't do that but in Canada you get frozen ice what six months of the year so <laughs> right. it's yeah. pretty easy yeah so <laughs> you 
you're playing, you know you love it, and at what point do you realize, I'm going to pursue this, and like, does that click in your head at some point where you're like, hey, I want to not just play here, I want to play at a higher competition? Yeah, growing up, I had uh, two other, two older brothers. Uh, they both played, my middle brother, he played with the Bennings, uh, with Jim Benning, and I played with Brian Benning, and like Bennings, they played in the NHL for quite a while. Yep. And there was another Benning, uh, uh, Mark Benning, and they were really good at players, and we were like neighbors with them, and so it was like the guy boys and the Benning boys. And <laughs> my oldest brother was, he was playing Great Falls Americans back in the day when they had a team, and he got hurt at 18 years old in a car accident, and that kind of ended it. It was like you're 18, you get drafted, or you, you know, it's kind of like you hope for the best, but that car accident kind of put him out, but he really helped me. I was 15 and he helped me train and prepare to get my high school done in two and a half years, things like that to just to play. And I always had, you know, my friends and their parents would always say, well, you know, are you going to school or this or that going to college? And I just always had it in my mind. It was like, I'm going to play hockey. And they're like, well, what if it doesn't work out? And that didn't even register to me. Like it never did. (laughs) When I was a little kid, I remember watching NHL Saturday night or Saturday night hockey on in Canada, and just called it Hockey Night in Canada. And it was uh, like I'd sit there and watch that, and it'd be like that's what I'm going to do. And it was just like it wasn't an option really. It was just yeah, something man. that I did, and I always thought I'd play until someone says I can't. Yeah, yeah. you know. So that was that that's was right. my goal, you know. And that was, I really, it was just so much fun to me that it never it didn't feel like a job or work or anything. It was just that's what I wanted to do. So what what time what, what point are you? I mean, you go straight to juniors. Out like you play high school there. Or you play like I don't know how it works in Edmonton. They play. Uh, you have in in Edmonton when I grew up, we had four different uh, like double A organizations, okay. and so it was A double A, and the it's depending on what side of the city you lived on or what corner of the city kind of thing you lived on, and that's the organization you played for. Oh, okay. And and then you'd have to just make that team and. So from that, I think I was 13 years old, the uh, Western Hockey League Medicine Hat Tigers uh, came and approached my parents and stuff and talked to me and said they were starting to watch me when I was 13, and they watched me all the way up. And then when I was 16, they, uh, uh, what was it, out Sherwood Park, uh, another junior team that was one less than WHL, they wanted me to play at 16, and I decided to stay in midget hockey one more year, and... It was a good decision at that. We ended up going to the Air Canada Cup, which is the uh, national championship for the midgets uh, for Alberta. We represented Alberta that year. So wow. that was kind of cool. That was the biggest thing I did at that age. Like, yeah, uh, I bet. They give you all your equipment and matching stuff and, <laughs> you know, helmets, gloves, sticks, pants, everything. They give it to you for the tournament. It's that's, pretty cool. That's when you know you made it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're 16 years <laughs> yeah. old and you made yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> Got a free stick, free helmet. Yeah. All right. So, and then Medicine Hut. Did you win, though? Uh, no, no, I didn't win. Uh, made the all-star team. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> for, for, you figure of the whole Canada, you know, you're like, all these kids are pretty darn good. Right. A lot of NHL players came out of that. And, you know, so it was kind of, it was kind of cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's gotta be the case. Like every year, like when you go back and watch those and I, I was lucky enough, I, I watched a, a Shattuck St. Mary's tournament, um, oh, 15 years ago or something when I was a stick rep and I, I went I went back there and just watched all these midgets, these AAA midgets, playing against each other. It was like Team Illinois versus Shattuck when they were at the top, right? 
And you're and I'm looking at I'm looking later at the names that are on that game program. Well, I just moved. This just happened last year. And I'm moving and I find a game program from that tournament. And it's like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And I'm like, yeah. some of the biggest names in the NHL wow. played in that tournament that weekend. And it, like it's just crazy. And that has to be like kind of the same thing you were going through at that time. Like Oh yeah, like you figure that was uh the top kids in the country, yeah. you know, like in all of Canada. Top 16-year-olds? Yeah, 15 to 16-year-olds. Yeah. yeah, so that was uh, – and then Medicine Hat, I went there, played there 17, 18, and 19, and that was that was a good experience. The first couple of years had uh, decent coaching. The last year, the coach kind of – it was a new coach they brought in, and he, uh, for some reason I – I had a bad shoulder that needed repair, and they uh, – the manager asked me to play half a season because we had a bunch of young rookies coming in. He said, can you play till Christmas? We'll fix your shoulder. You'll be back for playoffs. And I agreed to it. And so as soon as Christmas comes around, the uh, doctor from the Calgary Flames could have been drafted by then. The doctor from the Calgary Flames comes in the locker room after a game in, in Calgary one time, and he uh, checks me out, and he starts moving my arm around and stuff. He just says, he goes, you're not playing anymore. You're done. Because they own you, basically. Right. Yeah. Oh. And so that ticked the coach off. So that was uh, – he didn't get along with the coach after that for, <laughs> for the rest of that year because I had to get my shoulder fixed. And, and I, you know, I would I was a young, dumb kid. I would have just played. Right. You, know? right. you, can't, you can't move your arm. You just play. Yeah. That's what you're well, done. We, you're we were talking – it's funny because uh, we were talking about that before we went on the air. We are just like – we're old and we're all banged up. Like we know the storms are coming well before the weather, man. Because yeah, yeah, right, all yeah. the all the arthritis flares up. Yeah. Um, we skipped a beat there though, because I want to talk to you a little bit about playing in the dub, and like knowing you're going to get drafted, and also just figuring out what your role was as a player. Like, all right, when you're a kid, you just play hockey, and you you're a defenseman, you just play defense. But when you get into juniors, you're like, all right, what role as a defenseman am I going to play? Am I going to be physical? Am I going to be stay home? Am I going to, you know, like how how does that come about? Does does the coach decide that for you at this point, or are you just follow your natural instincts? Uh, for me, I I've always had a a real knack for seeing the game. I could watch, like I could, I don't know if you'd say like the quarterback in football or something like that, but I could see what's happening on the ice and see what's going to happen. And in, in having that ability, I could put myself in the right position. Yeah. And I was big enough and strong enough. Uh, I could play physical if I had to. I didn't have the personality to be mean, but if the time came to use most of my fights ever I had professionally or juniors, it was always sticking up for my teammate. It was hardly ever for myself. Right. You know, if someone did something to me, I just dealt with it. But if somebody hurt my teammate, then it was time to step in type thing. But, yeah. you know, the defensive role, I've always just, it was like my thought was to protect my goalie and don't let it, don't get scored on. But if I do that, we win because somebody's going to score a goal because you usually have enough talent on your team where you're going to score a goal. But if you can stop the other best players, you should win your game. Right. So that was my mentality. And so I always played uh, defensive. I was a penalty killer. You know, I'd get maybe three or four goals a season max. Uh, I'm looking at your stats right now. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, So that your best year at junior is 72 games played, 15 goals, 42 assists. 117 penalty minutes. Yeah. So that's not bad. Like Not bad. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, that back when juniors was tough though. That was like there was a lot of fights back then. <laughs> There's not a plus minus on this though. No, Did there they was not keep them. They didn't keep them back then. We kind of kept them ourselves. Uh, you know, 
jumping in the first year of uh, minor leagues in Moncton, New Brunswick. Started that season off, and by Christmas, I think, or just after Christmas, I was plus 32. Jeez. You know how, like, that's, that's just, unheard of. Yeah. So I, here awesome. I'm a guy that scores one or two goals, and I think that year I got player of the month like two or three times, yeah. you know, so in the league. So that's, you know, you, you, I guess there's different aspects. A lot of, like, everyone likes to see goals, right. but the goalies and general managers don't want to get scored against. Right. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's, that's, and if someone, if the people recognize that and see that, then you get an opportunity to play. Well, and that's that's the thing. As as a fan, yeah, you want to see goals. But as yeah. a hockey player or a hockey coach, you go and you watch and you watch the systems and you really learn to appreciate it. And that's one of the things I was talking about being a fan of yours is, you know, I would go with guys that understood the game. I was brand new to the game, and I would go with some guys around here that understood the game. Not maybe not to the best level, but they would be like, hey. Uh, this is what you need to watch. You need to watch your goalie. Uh, you had Mazzotti, I think, that year, or yeah. uh, I'm trying to think. No, it wasn't, it wasn't the Russian it. kid too. He had Mazzotti and uh, uh, the oh Shaky Demore, Mark Demore. Oh yeah, yeah. oh the yeah, year yeah. We won the Turner Cup. Yeah, so and you guys Mark had really Moore. good goalies, and that's what they were like. Hey, watch. If I I was going to be a goalie, I decided at that point. I, I still hadn't been on skates yet, but I'm like a freshman. I think. Smart. Yeah, and I'm like I'm going to be a goalie. That's pretty hard to yeah. do. Well, I you know I used a baseball glove and I figured I can catch some stuff. And so, but I mean, they were like, "Watch this guy, watch Kevin Guy," and that's what I was told. Watch Kevin Guy. Watch yeah. watch how he plays the game. And they they kept talking about just being smart and, um, you know. Making the right plays, doing the right thing, and and sticking up for your teammates, and that was kind of like you to a T. Like you were the guy that everybody else was saying, "Be like that guy." Yeah, yeah it guy. was. It was. Uh, yeah, I've always I've always played like that. I remember when I was real little, I played center ice, and you know I remember scoring I don't know ten goals in one game when I was a real little kid, and coming off the ice, and my dad told me I had a bad game. You know, I didn't <laughs> understand. Didn't understand that. You know, yeah. and then you kind of figure out, okay, there's more to it than just. Yeah. Yeah. one guy and there's more to it than just, like that's what's great about hockey it's a team thing and yeah. and every guy has a job to do and if everyone does their job you have a lot of success yeah and that's that that's so true yeah that's the other part of it you and then sometimes you'll just sit down and watch somebody that sees the game like that too yeah and, and i've been i've been privileged enough to sit like next to jp parisi um and watch him break down a game and i'm like i don't even know like, are we watching the same game? Like, the things he's seeing. And I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I, there was another rep when we were at Warrior. Uh, not Cunningham. What, uh, I have to look him up. But he he would uh, he'd watch the game, and he'd be like, that guy's using the wrong curve. Or the lie on a six wrong. This move that he always does, like he pulls it off the boards or whatever, he's not going to be able to pull that off. Like, because he switched sticks today for some reason. And... Uh, it's just amazing that some people can see the game at that level. Yeah. It's like how, you know, like Prince and the the major musicians see music in numbers and colors, and the rest of us are just like, oh, it's a cool drum beat. That's, yeah, that's it was, how it, it's true. Like, uh, the, like you look at the great one, Gretzky. It was like I remember playing him, and I thought I knew the game, you know. And we'd be playing, I'd be playing against him, and he's on the ice and all of a sudden he'll take off. He takes off the center ice. And I'm like, where the heck is he going? I'm watching the game. I'm like, I'm in the game. I'm playing. I'm like, where's he going? <laughs> I figure he knows more than me. I'm following him, you know? And sure enough, puck ends up on a stick. Yeah. And it's like, I did not see it coming. Yeah. And he knew exactly what was going on. And he was like, he was that much ahead of everybody. 
I think that's why the guy was so successful. He just he knew the oh, game, yeah. he knew what was happening. Yeah, and and that's crazy too. And that's another thing that uh, some of these people around here need to understand is you were playing, you were with Calgary, or you were with Vancouver and Calgary, and Calgary, yep. And you're playing against like the real battle for Alberta. We talk about it now with Trevor being in Calgary and stuff. It's fun, but when it's Gretzky and Messier and Fuhr, yeah, and you're out there trying to stop those guys, yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, I remember one time in Calgary, we were uh, we were in Edmonton playing, and that was back when uh, Dave Brown played for Edmonton. He was their tough guy. Yeah. And Messier gave somebody a cheap shot, so I got Messier in the corner and he gave him a shot and whistle blows. We line up at the face off, and I always skated with the Edmonton guys in the summer because I'm from Edmonton. <laughs> right. So I'd skate with them. They're all good guys. And Dave Brown, he just comes up to me on the face off, and he, Kevin, settle down. <laughs> just a comment oh. like that and I go yes sir message heard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. message understood yeah it's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up they pointed their guns at me and this is the point where I thought I'm going to die today I'm Becky Bruce I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, let's jump back to Medicine Hat a little bit. Um, when do you know you're going to get drafted? Like- uh, you don't. That's a, it's a cool experience. I remember I was from... Uh, in Edmonton, I was in school, school uh, you know, drafts after the season's over. And I remember being in high school, and I stayed home from high school that day and just listened, you know, and it yeah. was like waiting, and you just hope hope your name comes up. And so when it came up, I was pretty excited. It was a, it was a big deal. So you knew you had a good year. Yeah. And had any of the teams told you that they were looking at you? Uh, no, I don't think anyone ever talked to me. Oh, no, literally, you just I just sat at home. And, That's so weird because yeah. nowadays it's like, hey, we're thinking about drafting you, so now you need to take this eighty-four page psychological <laughs> profile. Yeah. We need to see like we need to make sure your heart's in good shape and how your lungs yeah. are. Uh, we need a family history of you know to make sure you don't have any diabetes or you know. Yeah. Nowadays it's pretty pretty crazy how crazy they get with it, and I don't think they have any more success than they did back then. Honestly. Well, like yeah, I think about it when I was I was probably the first era that they started to make guys come to training camp in shape yeah before yeah. me guys went to training camp to get in shape right yeah you know they were you know a lot of them like a lot of hockey players drink a lot of beer and stuff and they get to camp and it's like okay let's get in shape now when like when i started going to camps it was uh you know you're on the bike you're they're checking your oxygen levels they're checking like they'll you know, after I got drafted, they were pulling me down there in the summertime and checking me in the summertime to see how, you know, how my oxygen levels were and, you know, your strength tests and push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, all those kind of things. But, you know, five, ten years before that, there was no, there was nothing like that. It was just show up and play. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I thought, I, I knew guys were getting, uh, maybe I had no concept of what in shape was anyway, but I thought guys were starting to take it a little more serious. And this is about the time where I'm getting out of Utah and seeing some stuff, and I'm showing up places, and and some of the guys show up ready to play, and those are the guys usually that aren't officially on the team yet, 
right? Whether yeah. it was junior mm-hmm. college or whether it was juniors, and I played crappy junior leagues, but still yeah. guys were like desperate to play. And so those guys would show up in shape. And then the rest of them would just be like, I'm already on the team, so I'm just going to get in shape in camp. And then I remember like my first training camp with the Idaho Steelheads, and most of the guys were like, they're drafted by Dallas. I'm going to be in good shape. I want to be on this team. And then the four Russians show up, and they're out of shape. And you get off the ice the first time. You know, you're on the ice for 45 minutes to do an ice make. And then all the Russians put on their skate guards and step outside and have a smoke. And, you know, and like <laughs> yeah. the first thing they're like, where did I get my smokes and my beer? You know, like, yeah. they're, and I'm like, man, this is, this is just different. And then nowadays, like, because now I, for a while I had the, uh, the privilege, I guess you could call it, of being the one step up from the shooter tutor. Or maybe they just couldn't afford a shooter tutor and I'm free. (laughs) But like I would train with like like Zach Parisi and Jordan Parisi would be the other goalie. And and then doing that, there were other NHL guys, Drew Stafford. um, But there were some big names that would come out and I'd get to go with them. And they would do things that seemed unhuman to me on like we'd skate and I'm dead, dead tired. We skated for an hour and a half. And then they'd zam the ice and they would just do like lightning like or ladders back and forth. And then they'd go get on the short ice. And it's just, it was crazy the amount of conditioning that was all of a sudden part of the game. Yeah, it was, uh, you think about it though, you're, you do something, if you do anything seven days a week, you know, right. and you do it for an hour and a half, couple hours a day, and then you do additional training on top of that, you just can't help but. I mean, see, I remember, like, even just playing for the Golden Eagles back in the day when we won the Turner Cup, we had three days off at Christmas, I think it was. Oh. And that's, like, you come back, you felt like you've been off for two months oh. because your body just gets used to working every yeah. day. Yeah. And your body just does it. You don't have to think about it. Yeah, I'll have to take your word. I've never been there. <laughs> but it's, um, like, it's like golf, you know? You go out and you get mad because you, you stink. But do you sit and practice every single day like the pros? No. Right. That's what I try to tell people all the time. Yeah. Come yeah on. If you, anything you do, like you think of what is a pro, 10,000 hours? Something yeah. like that. The, the, to, to, in your lifetime, you, to get to that level, yeah. 10,000 hours. To get there. To get there. Um, I have too many kids for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you do too. Yeah. So uh, you get drafted by Calgary. You go to Moncton first. As a farm team, yeah, Moncton, New Brunswick. Yeah. And then you get told you're going to Salt Lake. Yeah, they move their farm team to Salt Lake. Tell me, what did you know about Salt Lake at that time, being from Edmonton? Have you ever heard of Salt Lake? I uh, just drove through going to Disneyland when I was a kid. Yeah. That was about it. And that uh, Mormons live there. Yeah. And that's about it. So <laughs> were, you like, were you like, oh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to Mormonville? Or, or was it just like, hey, this is just another town. There's, uh, that's not weird? No, it was, uh, I was actually pretty excited because Moncton – was far, like from, you know, I got called up from Moncton a couple times and you fly, you know, what, five hours to get to Calgary. Yeah. Uh, where Salt Lake, you're an hour and a half, two hours, you're there. Uh, so I was looking forward to it and the the city just seemed a lot nicer too. There's not a whole lot out in Moncton, New Brunswick. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> so a lot of snow and that was about it. Uh, yeah. So, the, you know, and the league was going to be different. Yeah. So it was, I was excited to go. Yeah. It was, uh, it was kind of a little bit of a letdown, though, the first time coming to Salt Lake because uh, I just got called up from Moncton uh, the year before, played with the Flames. I was, like, playing with Al McGinnis. He's my partner and stuff. And, wow. You know, and so you're, you know, you're getting to play in the NHL, and they're, 
you do really well. Like I think I had, I think I was probably like about plus 14 or 15 already in, in just a few games. Like just, you know, good plus minus stats yeah. as a defenseman. And they happened to draft the first round draft pick defenseman. Oh. That was their draft pick that year. He was 6'4", 245, and he had to play. Right. It wasn't a question, and I was the low guy on the totem pole. So I got sent down having a good training camp and got sent down. So I was a little bit bummed out. Right. But that's when I decided that, you know, I got to play for myself. I just got to play hard because you can't count on things that you can't control. Yeah. You know, if a coach might not like you or whatever or, you know, they might, you know, you'd short shift you on some ice time or whatever – as long as you can play for yourself and work your hardest, I think, you can deal with that kind of stuff. But if you know you're not putting in your 100% and it's your fault, then that's a little tougher to deal with, I think. That's a, you were having those thoughts then? I mean, that's pretty mature. It seems like more, like, I don't know, I would just be, I, I just seems like to me it's a it's a whirlwind. Like, oh, yeah. Like, to, like, it's just, I have no rational thoughts at that age, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, so yeah I, I remember going into the general manager's office when they were sending me down. Yeah, and I was. Uh, I just told him. I go. I go. I had a good camp. I go. This doesn't make sense. And I'll go down and play. But I go. This makes no sense. Right. And and you know when you go to the locker room. And I got called up. I think when we were that year for the Golden Eagle. I think I got called up like five or six times. You know they call me up for a weekend and call me up for a game. Send me back and back and forth and back and forth. And I'd get up there and the kid that took my spot. He'd be in the locker room and he he just came up to me and he goes, I can't play this. This is too fast. Oh, well. But, you know, you got all the scouts, you got all the people involved that picked him. Yeah. And who answers to that? You know, so he has to play. Right. Otherwise, they don't look very smart. Yeah. (laughs) I think now, and now they get it a little bit more. Now they give somebody a chance. We were talking about that before. We we know of other players that maybe weren't ready for the NHL when they got put in the NHL. And they're big. And you can't. I don't know. Like you grow into your body, right? Yeah. And maybe yeah. you grow into the speed of the NHL, or maybe you don't. Maybe you're just oh, it's hard. That speed is fast. Yeah, and, I mean, and you're 18 the, years old. That is tough. And there, if you're already that big, hopefully you can grow into it, or hopefully you can catch up. But if there's that X factor where maybe you're just not good enough. Yeah. And and some guys don't don't find that out, and you don't find that out until you play it. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah, matter how. It, well, you did before in the minors. Or yeah, in it's college. a lot. It's a lot faster. The and the the guys are stronger, and the game's just fast. Yeah, really fast. It's it's so cool to even now, like when the the game came here, the the NHL games come here, and I I use my press pass so that I can just go stand right next to the glass. Yeah. Right, it's like the biggest perk I have for this job is that game <laughs> once right. a year. <laughs> <laughs> <So sad. laughs> but I'll go and I just stand there and I'm like I I think I, I at some point I was good at hockey until I watch one just one guy. Go yeah. above, like the guy that's barely going to make the club. Anybody that's in the NHL is so fast. Huge. Yeah, it's I agree. So talented. Yeah, now especially nowadays like they're all just so good. They're also their skating ability is incredible. Yeah. Like, it's just it's crazy control. how good they are. This, the Cal McCarr, man, the, like, yeah. the stuff that guy's pulling off, it's unbelievable. It's, it defies physics. And it's like, if we could have done it, why weren't we doing it a long time ago? Like, how are these guys reinventing the game that's been around for 200 years? And Well, I think a lot of it, like, I, I, I look at the kids I coach right now with the Junior Grizz, you know, 17, 18-year-olds, and I got kids on there that can handle the puck better than I ever dreamt of. Yeah. And 
they were given the opportunity. You think back to when I played, you weren't allowed to do that. If you did some move and that was crazy, and even if it worked, the coach would probably bench you. Right. Yeah. You know, because you were skate, hit, shoot, score, fight. That was basically hockey. It was like move the puck, get it up the ice, and if someone's ahead of you, give it to them. And if there's if you got to burn somebody one on one, that's not happening. You move it around or you dump it in the corner. Right. You mm-hmm. do not lose that puck ever. Yeah. If you lose that puck once, you're on the bench. Yeah, that's, that's you know, kids nowadays. Crazy, yeah. I, you know, I I learn watching these kids now and, and coaching these kids the last twelve years, whatever I've been doing. They uh, they're just incredible to watch. And sure, they're going to mess up. You know, they're going to make mistakes. But as long as the effort's there, I'm okay with mistakes. You know, right? Because they're going to learn from them and they're going to get better and better and better. And and it's fun to watch them. Like it's really fun. These kids are growing up and they're. And it's amazing the things they they're do. They're all trying the Michigan. Yeah. And now yeah. Uh, I've, I have a player now that I play against that will come down and do the Michigan coming straight at you. Not from behind the net. He'll just pick it up and whip it at you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah. Uh, that's unreal. Is, right? It is. It's unreal. And yeah. like you were saying before, even if the coach didn't, like if you tried something like that in your era, you're probably going to be eating somebody's stick. Like, oh, yeah, somebody would somebody's gonna, out. Somebody's yeah. going to beat you up for showboating like that on the Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, multiple people. Multiple probably. people. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. And I, I try to explain that to some people. Like, um, you know, I'm trying to teach firemen about hockey, and I'm like, well, because they're like, well, what about these fights and this? I'm like, well, okay, like 10 years ago, there was these un- <laughs> there were these uh-huh. unspoken rules, and now they've kind of changed a little bit. <laughs> and it's, But, yeah, I mean, it's cool to see how amazing hockey is now. Back to when you get to Salt Lake, though. And I know it sucks being not being in the show, but the team that you were put on here, the team that Calgary had here, um, you talk a little bit about those guys and, and, and what kind of a, a what you were seeing here in Salt Lake as far as like, you guys were unreal. Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember that season. That was probably one of my funnest seasons ever, uh, playing hockey. We had, you know, 18, 19 guys on the team that were just. Everyone got, I think we only had two married guys on, at the time. And oh. So you got a bunch of guys that are... Shenanigans. Yeah, you're making money, <laughs> and you're playing, and you're having fun. Uh, Paul Baxter was our coach. Uh, it was, uh, I think it was, his, it was his first year. He was my partner up in Calgary. Oh, wow. And oh, now he's cool. my coach, <laughs> you know, the next year. And so, you know, he was a good guy, kind of crazy, but he was a good guy. And he would, uh, like, literally, he'd come up and ask me sometimes, what do you want to do today? What are we doing for practice? You know, stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. And it was, uh, you know, so the guys we had, though, boy, we had probably five to six tough NHL guys on our team because they were all young still. Yeah. And, like, they were tough NHL guys. And, you know, Stu Grimson, uh, you know, Bob Bodak, uh, Ken Saverin. We had Paul uh, Cruiser that year? Paul Crew was there. Uh, Kerry Clark. Oh, yeah. uh, Darren Banks. Oh, yeah. like Banks, we, had, Banks had like 350 penalty minutes in yeah. 50 games or something, right? Yeah, Martin Samard. Oh, yeah. Like, these guys were tough kids. Wow. You know, it's like, I just yeah. remember playing and it was like, we were, I think we started out that season with 10 losses. First nine or 10 games, we were like 0-1-9 and or something or 0-10 oh, or, it was pretty bad. And I remember getting called back up to Calgary for a weekend to play and all the guys up there, because they were worried about Paul Baxter being the coach and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's his first year. And and uh, they go, what's wrong with you guys? And I'm like, I go, we're good. I go, it's a good team. We just haven't put the puck in the net. 
You know, Chernomaz was our captain, and, oh, yeah. and we knew he could score. We had a bunch of guys who could score. We just weren't doing it. And, uh, you know, ended up starting out 0-9 or 10, whatever it was, and ended up winning the Turner Cup that season. You know, just turned things around, figured it out. But just a great group of guys. And when the season ends, every season I play hockey, within two days, everybody's gone. Everybody goes home to wherever they're from. That team... We stayed around. I think most guys were still here probably three weeks after. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. We rented two houseboats, went to Lake Powell. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, just had – nobody wanted to go home. They didn't want it to end because no one ever gets that. You know? Yeah. In hockey, it's always just a job. And you're done. Let's go home. And this was more like – it was just fun. It was just fun doing it. Yeah. And for uh, – like like yeah. I said, that's my first experience of hockey. Yeah. And maybe I'd played that year. <laughs> maybe I was playing that year, but, man, what – I'm glad you look at it that way too, because I, I look at it as like that was the best hockey I've ever seen. That was the most fun I'd ever had going to games. Yeah, and they were fun. You could just see the the camaraderie and the like the brotherhood between you guys. It was amazing. Yeah, and I think the the city itself, like I think the the booster club back then, <laughs> like they were really involved with the players. Yeah. Like it was like anything you need, they take care of you. It was just really. Like the the city stepped up for the players, and you know, and I don't know how many. There's quite a few of the people you just get to know, and they become friends and stuff. And like you don't get that with professional sports very very often. Like any of the cities I ever go to, right? You know, so you know, it's it's funny. I, I we're gonna have the Utah. I've been reaching out to the Grizzlies Boosters Club because they they're actually they're they're kind of recreating what that was back then. That's good. Yeah, and even me when I get pulled up to Ebug, I get a call from the. Like they'll know I'm going on the road with the team, and they'll be like, "Hey, we're getting you a gift pack, and we're getting." It. And I'm like, "Don't do it for me. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not real. Like, just give it, give it to these kids, right? Like the kids, the kids want it. These, yeah. And that's the other thing people don't realize is the kids now aren't they're not making any money. No. And so they need you to give them the like everything that you can give them. Give them ten more bucks that they can spend on something yeah. they need. So it's it's uh, but it's good to hear that. It was an awesome parade, right? Like. Through, like, didn't we have a big parade for you yeah, guys? After that, after that, yeah, it came off the airport, and yeah, everybody was at the airport was packed. That's when you could go to the gates and that stuff at that time, right? Yeah, yeah place was packed at that time. Yeah, it was there good, are good pictures. Fan group. There are pictures floating around at that time. Did you, yeah. Gary? Were you going to games back then? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And it's My crazy. dad was at uh, KCPX back then, and they we're, go, we're doing all sorts of stuff. Peter Lappin, I forgot about him. Mark Diamore, um, Jim Johansson. There, like there were some big names yeah. back then, Mark Bureau. Yeah, Mark Bureau. Marty Smart. I, I had him Smart. as <laughs> yeah. when I was uh, I was uh, what, sixteen, seventeen. I went to a camp in Sun Valley, Idaho, and he was my instructor. Oh yeah, yeah. He was hilarious. He's a great guy. Yeah, he yeah. was such a character. Um, what other things do you remember? Just like a couple other uh, Golden Eagles highlights. Uh, I would I would think just the the whole. Playoff season, especially that year for the that team, the time we won in eighty seven, eighty eight, it was just you know playing the games. It was really, uh, really intense. They were really tough. Uh, Paul Baxter was uh, he really uh, used that uh, physicalness about our team. Like I remember, boy, there was team games sometimes that we had to play with you know, eight, nine players because everyone else was kicked out in, in brawls <laughs> and stuff. And yeah. I remember him chasing other coaches down the, the hallway in the locker rooms and stuff. And wow. Yeah, he was pretty intense. Old-time hockey. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really old-time hockey. 
And like in the what you know the guys though the off the ice the guys just stuck together on the ice off the ice the guys stuck together all the time and uh, you know and I think that just that says a lot to when you're on the ice playing because you might not have the talent that another team might have but if you have the drive to just sacrifice whatever it takes to win I think that's a that's a big part and I think that that team we had that year that's what the guys did yeah was, that's and everybody did it and they did it for each other. You know, just not for themselves. It's so special to be a part of something like that. And it it's is. It's so yeah. hard to recreate it. Yeah. You think like I that... played 10 years professional, and that's the only time I ever got it. Yeah. Yeah. And you got it here in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how nuts. So, yeah. and then it's awesome. You kind of, I, I, I don't I don't know exactly what happened. You ended up with the Canucks for a bit, and then you ended up back with Calgary? Did they? Yeah, I played three years in Vancouver. Uh, and then uh, just before playoff time, got traded back to Calgary. In Calgary, wow. and then after that, Calgary uh, traded me to. Uh, I don't know if they. Tra- I can't. I don't think I got traded. I actually signed with the Islanders for a couple year contract, and oh. then that's how I ended up in Denver with the Grizzlies. Oh yeah, for the Denver Grizzlies, and remember, then yep. uh, they moved back to Salt Lake after that. But the year in Denver is where I got hurt. Yeah, the injury put me out. So, so, is that the injury you were telling me about last summer or last season? That's not. The- is that your back injury? Yeah, I had the blew my back out. Yeah, because there was one you told me that you're like I just got bumped and I didn't even know I was hurt. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, I got I didn't fall. Yeah. Uh, like I just, I just I'm pretty sure it just had to be wear and tear. Uh, I don't remember Mick Vakota. Yeah, big kid. <laughs> yeah, I remember mm-hmm. Mick. And so he was going to hit my defense partner, so I just put my stick on his around his waist and then hit the brakes real hard and just to stop his momentum from crushing my partner out on the behind the net. Yeah. And I could feel like a fireball go through my back, Oof. you know, and didn't think nothing of it, you know. Then later that game, just took a guy out at the blue line, took one stride and that was it. Never never played again. Wow. <laughs> never fell down, just kind of coasted over to the bench and holy cow. And, uh, yeah. and hung out for a while and waited till the end of the game and then went inside and the doctors just said no sense checking you out. We know what it is. So we'll wait six weeks and see if it goes away or not. And so go, just ruptured discs? Or, yeah, two, yeah, two discs, four and five, L4 and five. And, wow. Yeah, so then you just, after that, it was more or less, I had to get them fused you know, eventually. I got yeah. fused a year and a half later. I always knew you had a back injury. Mm-hmm. And I, I I asked you about it. Uh, where were we? Not Sun Valley. Where were, Bozeman? Oh, yeah, we're in Bozeman, Montana. <laughs> Play men's I'm going there this year. <laughs> Gary, that's the that's the glory of uh, these men's league tournaments. I'm yes. trying to get you on. That's right. Bozeman. Bozeman's pretty fun. Actually, Bozeman that's is a blast. Here. It's yeah. a blast. The 12 U teams going there. This oh, year. it'll be a different experience than than what we had. <laughs> yeah, right. But I, had, I I sat down. And I finally get to talk to you about it. I'm like, tell me about like how you got hurt. And he tells me he's like, oh, I hooked Mick Vakota, and then it was over. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's so crazy how like I've I've watched a guy. Wow. I watched a firefighter standing, making a phone call. And granted, our job's dangerous, right? Yeah. And he's on the phone with the hospital talking about our patient. And there's kind of an ice storm out or whatever. And he's on the phone and he's got the computer in his hand. And somebody comes up kind of beside him. And he can't, you can't talk about a patient when somebody else is around. So he turns like this. He just turns like half a step to the right and blows out his knee. What? Completely blew out his knee. Wow. Not not just a little bit, but like all three ligaments gone. What? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, how did that happen? Like the the way you can get hurt and so like you just can't take anything for granted. No, no, no. And that, that just blew my mind when you told me that. So I came home and I told my wife, 
And my wife gives me the same thing all the time now because I'll be like, oh, did you see that play? Or did you see this with that guy? Like she, when I have hockey on and she's reading a book, just tolerating me, my existence. And she'll be like, no, oh, that's nice, dear. Like, whatever, you know. And I told her that story. And she's like, yeah, I remember Mick Fakoda. Didn't he always wear the leather jacket and go to, didn't we have to drive him to Sizzler a bunch? Because <laughs> that's, that's when I started e-bugging was Mick was in town. And he'd always be like, hey, can you give me a ride to Sizzler? Yeah, Sizzler. So yeah, but at least she <laughs> paid attention to that story. That time. Yeah. Um. So now, okay. So you got hurt, and now you're in. Now you're a normal person, and the NHL's behind you, and you come out, and guys like me and the other guys around here are like, "Hey, you live here. Will you please come teach?" And then you didn't jump right out. Obviously, it usually takes till you have kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had. Uh, I got five children, and uh, it was. And four out of the five, it wasn't until my youngest started playing because the four older ones all swam. Oh, wow. So I got into that. I was doing the officiating for swimming and things like that. And that's, uh, that's Hockey's tough, but swimming swimming's really tough. <laughs> <laughs> and especially being a parent, swimming's really tough. Oh, wow. uh, you sit there for four hours to watch your kids swim for a minute and a half. Yeah. yeah. So oh. it's, it's kind of tough. At least hockey, it's going all the time. Right. And, but then my boy, I got him going, and I think he was like five or six. And so I've been coaching him ever since. Yeah. And now he just graduated. He's 18 now. And so I've been coaching the whole time with uh, with the kids in hockey, and I really enjoy it. It's it's fun watching these kids Yeah, do it. that and part's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. The other parts of it are not. Like, I just kind of wonder, you can't, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but we all talk about, like, what can we do here? Like, we, we talked about it a little bit, but what can we do? to make hockey better here? Like, how do we make it better for the kids here? Like, we we have you and we have Greg Lieb and we have guys that have actual knowledge. Cause, and and I'll, I'm going to set it up just a little bit more. We were talking about, like, how kids get out of here. And you told your story how you got out. And we have some kids here that managed to get out. And I always make them tell their story. I've made Trevor tell the story several times. And he <laughs> had some ups and downs, right? But we also have people that... We'll offer advice. And I'll, I'll say, like, the same thing when you go to the gym and you're like, hey, I know exactly what I need to do. I need to do this lift. And my trainer or the avalanche trainer that taught me how to do this lift, and now I'm going to go do it. And then somebody next to you has no idea what you're doing, has no idea what they were doing, is going to give you advice on how you're going to lift. That's the exact same thing that happens in hockey, I think. And I think that we get these guys that come in and they're like, hey, I learned that maybe I can, I can make some money. If I tell this kid, I'm going to get him to the next level or whatever. Yeah, in Utah, it's, it's really different. Uh, a lot of parent involvement, which is good and bad. Uh, and I think, you know, like for every place I've ever been, and I think even back east, you have organizations or areas of the cities that have organizations and if the kid wants to play, if he lives in an area, he has to play in that organization. Right. And in Utah, the kids get to do what they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is a bad thing. It's it's good for yep. the kids. They get to play with their buddies, whatever. They can all go as a group. Yeah. But it, to, if you want to develop hockey players and you want to get kids good enough to get out of here, you have a AAA team, and that's the AAA team. Like, yeah. That's yeah. it. And you have two AA teams because Utah doesn't have enough players to make quality play, quality teams that can compete out of Utah. You know, we want to t- we want to compete in Minnesota. We got to have real players and real, real organizations that can 
get these kids to that level. Yeah, uh, and right, we dilute the talent. We dilute the talent, yeah. 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 And, you know, then we have our high school hockey where they're, you know, you got JV kids that if they score more than seven goals, they can't play anymore. Yeah. It's like, so they got all these rules that not keep people down instead of trying to bring them up. And it's, and it's so, it's in order for everyone to be inclusive. You know, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets a trophy. Well, that means nobody goes out. Nobody, right. get, nobody makes it. You get a Utah trophy, but you're not getting one yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the, uh, I think that's the biggest downfall. Like, cause when I, when I was growing up, you had, like I was telling you before, we have four teams in the city of Edmonton. I don't know, 700,000 people, something like that back when I lived there. Yeah. We and all four, of them played hockey. They have four teams, four double A teams. And whatever side of the city you yeah. lived on, that's the team you tried to make. If that's you didn't make idea. it, if you didn't make it, you went to the B, the B team or the A team, whatever it was. Right. That's a great idea. I mean, that's, you know, that that's, would be awesome. You know, yeah. and you yeah. didn't get to go jump to the other side or, right. or this coach paid you to come over or whatever, you know. Or your dad starts another organization. Or, yeah, you can't start yeah. – someone's not going to start a league for you or something like that. It's yeah. – this is the options and you can really – I think the quality of hockey can really rise because the kids are going to work to get to that level. Yeah. You know, and have that opportunity to play. And, and then usually you'll have good coaches at that level. Right. You know, people who know what they're doing and, and how to – teach the kids and I think a lot another aspect in Utah is really sad is a lot of these kids quit at 14 16 years old because they get tired of getting yelled at mm-hmm. you know and I remember taking my level four coaching the the Grizz coach uh, he said he even with the uh, professionals you can't yell at them anymore yeah back when I was a kid yeah we were used to it you know that wasn't a big thing yeah. but kids don't want to be yelled at anymore yeah. uh, they want to oh. be taught so true yeah so yeah. true yeah yeah, yeah. And teach them and show them and and let them play i, I think, think yeah because we learned yeah. different right we learned yeah. i learned i got yelled at all the time because yeah. i always screwed things up but you know eventually i'm the only guy that's still there with the gear <laughs> yeah i still but uh they it, it's different and and i learned as a coach and i never i never yelled i wasn't an, i i remember twice yelling at a player in 17 years of coaching, I can remember both times I yelled at a player. Yeah. And uh, both times I immediately went, that was wrong, and that was stupid. Why did I just do that? Like, anytime emotion comes out of your mouth, you lose, right? Yeah. It's, that's a bad idea. But uh, in the 70s and 80s, that's how it was done. That's exactly how it and was you, done. And uh, Kevin McClelland, who's coaching with uh, the, the AAA team that we have here, Rocky Mountain Renegades now, right? Um, he's a yeller. But it's the way he yells still works. Yeah, and I, I just got to tell people that too because my son played juniors for him, or whatever they were coaching him that year, AAA midgets, and uh, he would yell, and some of the kids on the team would just laugh a little bit because it's different. We had other yeah. coaches here that would yell and demoralize kids. Yeah, exactly. But some yeah. like right. so I, I guess I'm just saying yeah. Yelling is is doesn't work all the time, but that guy's still got it. Like I don't know how he yells it, but it, he still has it. So, but yeah, so it's different now, right? Yelling. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like you said, demoralizing a kid. I think that's the, if you're singling out a kid because of a game or because of a mistake, you know, you can yell at a team. Like, that's totally acceptable. Like, the team's not playing, they're not working. You got to get them going somehow. Yeah. Uh, You go letter Kenny and kick the garbage can. Yeah, but you single out a kid to that extent or you don't play a kid because of a mistake that just crushes a kid. And his confidence level drops, and then his play level is going to drop dramatically right. as soon as his confidence is gone. Well, I remember uh, I was doing something that I was taught to do when I was coaching. I would go back and teach at the Shattuck St. Mary thing, and they uh, 
JP Preezy would I, I would get a group of kids and I'd be like, okay, if you miss if you you miss the net, ten push ups, and JP saw me do that. He goes, no. And I I'm like, what do you mean no? He's like, no. If and I can't do that. I'm not going to try to imitate his fr- French accent, but he'd be like, basically, I want them to shoot top corner. I want them to shoot and I want them to try. I want them to do stuff that's outside their comfort zone. And if they miss, they're going to try again. Yeah. If you punish them, the next time they're going to come down and shoot it right in that goalie's crest, yeah. so that he doesn't have doesn't have to shoot again. Yeah. And he's like, same thing with these goalies on, or these these players. Don't tell them chip it off the boards. Let them see what they can do. Like, yeah. Yeah. let's figure it out. And if they mess up, they'll figure it out the next time. Let them just keep trying until you're getting paid to play. You know, we've talked about this on this show a lot. We have a lot of parents that are like, win, win, win at all costs. No, mm-hmm. you got to yeah. have fun, man. You got to keep the passion. Yeah, that's the so number true. one for any of the kids. And that's, I, I, once I learned it and figured it out, I just, that was my, I would tell my counselors at the beginning of every camp that I did here, I'm like, all I care about is I want, the, I want there to be some structure. I want you to teach these kids to be better than they were when they got here and do not take anything away from them. Do not put out the passion. Like, keep that fire going. Yeah. Yeah. I know right. that's what we tell our, our 12U team, you know, in every, in every talk, it's always have fun in there. It's always – because you want, you want the kids to have fun ultimately, you know. Go out, yeah. work hard, but have fun doing it. You know? Yeah, if they're working hard, they're going to have fun. Yeah. If they're not working hard, they're going to be – they're not going to feel like they're part of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, Gary, do you have anything else? I don't think so. Um, I, I do want to come see your team play. I mean, I see you at the rink all the time. But <laughs> I, I've, see, I, I've seen a few shifts in, like, Vegas a couple of times. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, you say, I've got to see some of these players. And you're coaching U18 Grizzlies. Yeah, U18 Grizz, yep. Um, would you ever be interested in, like, being a pro coach? Like, Oh yeah, I yeah I love coaching. I've always even I remember uh, the Canadian Olympic team. I had a chance to play there, and I didn't actually go because finances and stuff. I was lose a ton of money to go play there, so I didn't. <laughs> but uh, I remember him telling me just when I was a player, he goes, he goes, "You're smart enough to know this game." He goes, "You should coach." Yeah, you know, and and as I've been doing it with the kids and stuff, it'd be it'd be a blast. I'd love it. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's something I you can just see it with you. I've I've seen you coach, and I've I've when I was starting my camps here, I'm like these guys I need to get, and I would harass you, and you'd be like I'm not coaching, like I, and I I just <laughs> you were the guy we watched growing up. You were the guy that we were always told to be like. I think a guy like you is. I'm so grateful that you're coaching kids, and I I'd love to see you coach pro. And I'd love to see like I think I I think you the game needs you back is what I'm saying. I guess. And I just, it's, I don't know, it's just fun. I, I've learned so much, even just when playing men's league with you or being around you or listening to you coach. I've learned a lot from you, and I think it, I'm just so grateful that there's guys like you in the market still. Our kids need it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun. All right, so I know we went long. I wanted to talk more about, like, with the with the actual Grizzlies, and I wanted to kind of dive into a little bit more stuff, but we try to keep these episodes a little under an hour when we went, but... We'd love to have you back on. We'd love to have you right. come in and guest host. Do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Come yeah. in and talk, man. You have so much hockey knowledge, and then there's just me and Gary in here. And we just – well, Josh, <laughs> our our producer. Yeah, who, let's not forget him. Well, I, I didn't forget him, but he just doesn't – Talk. 
Yeah. And I've tried to get him to <laughs> talk on some episodes before. All he ever tells me to do is cut. Stop. Yeah. He's just pointing. Yeah. But, uh, but when it comes to hockey, I'd love to have, like, if you have time, we can even schedule him around your time. I just have you yeah. come in because, and did you know, were you friends with Flurry? Did you know, did you play when he was here? Yeah. Yeah. I played here. When so, he came down for the 10 games for the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And said so this, like, it's so crazy to think of how many games he played here. Yeah. And, like, you, there are tons of kids here named Theron. Yeah. And, yeah. like, he set this market upside down. Yeah. He, he really helped grow hockey here. Um, when we have him on, will you come on and be, will you talk to him with us? Will you be one of our hosts? Yeah, sure. I could do that. I think it'd be fun. Like, yeah, I think be cool. it'd be, it'd be awesome. Yeah, Because uh, Brian Pataffi's setting that up for us. He's entertaining. That's entertaining. He's a right stand-up there. comedian now. <laughs> He's retired from hockey. He's a stand-up comedian. So Brian Vitaffi was my first trainer in pro. Yeah, he used to cut my hair and everything. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> it was like in Moncton, New Brunswick. There was no place to go, so the trainer did everything. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. A little dangerous. Yeah. Good okay. Well, uh, yeah. I guess that's uh, that's it. I, I just I have a million other things I wanted to talk about, but. I know we're out of time, so write them down for next time. I I have them on my computer right here. Oh, great. Okay, so you'll you'll come back. Yeah, and we'll sure have you in. All right. Well, Kevin Guy, we really appreciate you you being on the show. Like I said, you were top five that we wanted to have on the show, and and, and just hear your story and and uh, you had a huge impact on this market too. So it's it's yeah. it's cool to finally get you in here and tell your story. And I know the people that that follow the Eagles are going to be glad to hear from you. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, thanks for everything you've done. Uh, we got more episodes coming up, and uh, Gary, you're going to be here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll just uh, schedule them around your schedule, too. Let's make it happen. I have lots of days off. Josh is the hard one. Our producer's the one that's like, none of us know how to turn anything on. <laughs> yeah. What's this do? <laughs> well, you know how to get, You can, we can just get back on, we can just take over yeah. the arrow. Go over there. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. Where's the real to real machine? I'm going to stop dinking around. What? Uh, for everybody here, Josh, thanks for being our producer. I know we used to have a thing where we thanked you and we don't play that part anymore, but, uh, download this podcast, uh, subscribe to it everywhere you get podcasts on Google, Apple, uh, Amazon, just simply do that, whatever, yeah. but it's there. Sounds just good. get it. We were just teaching Kevin how to get podcasts. Yeah. And that, okay. <laughs> All right. And that's it for the Utah Sweet. Puck Report. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.